0: Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk with people who are living lives of purpose and doing amazing things that make a positive impact in our world. We take time to listen to them as they reflect on their life journeys and what has shaped them into who they are today and what motivates them to be involved in what they do. Well, kia ora everyone and welcome along to Seeds Podcast. I'm really glad you could join me, as this week we're going to be speaking with Chelsea Aitken, who's the co-founder of New Zealand and Beyond. And in this interview, we talk with her a lot about her life, what's led to founding this new company, and some of the lessons that she's learned along the way. I know you're going to enjoy this episode, and if you do, you might want to check out some of the almost 200 other episodes in the back catalogue. There's quite a few stories of inspiring people doing some amazing things with their lives. And you can find out a lot more at theseeds.nz as well. And you can always hit subscribe in the podcasting app that you're using to listen to this. And if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, it'd be really appreciated if you could leave a rating and review there, because it helps others find the podcast. Now let's get straight into this interview with Chelsea. Chelsea. All right, so it's a pleasure to welcome Chelsea Aitken, who's the co-founder of New Zealand and Beyond. Thank you for joining me.
1: No, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, it's Mm. great to have you on the show. (laughs) And what we do on the podcast is we try to go back in time and just talk with people about their lives Mm -hmm. and try to work out kind of what's led them to do what they do today. Mm. So in your case, I know you're in the process of launching and (laughs) and looking at China going overseas, Mm. but I'd love to rewind right back to the beginning and okay. just find out what's led you to do this. So in your case, can you go back like when you were four or five years yeah. old, where were you living? What was mm-hmm. that like?
1: So I'm originally from Auckland, mm-hmm. which I keep quite quiet you down keep here. It quiet here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was raised in an all female, all female household with my mum and my two sisters. Okay. So that was I look back at that now, and I think just really being around females for basically all those um, growing years has had quite a big impact yeah. on me now.
0: Yeah. So and were you the oldest or the youngest? I'm or the middle. The middle? Yeah. Oh, oh, the middle child. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Which I think suits my personality quite uh-huh. a bit. And yeah. I get the both, best of both worlds. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, all the women in my family are very... Um, strong, strong characters, so, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh,
0: that's good. And what sort of things did you enjoy as a Mm -hmm. child? Like, did you enjoy the outdoors, or were you more reading things, or, yeah?
1: So, I was the tomboy of my family. So, um, my mum always thought I was a boy before I was born, so I think I just ended up kind of being treated like... (laughs) the closest thing to it in our family. So I was extremely sporty. Uh-huh. Um, I loved being outside. I loved playing competitive sport. It's, yeah, it was my life. And that was, sport was a huge part of my life and even probably became a huge part of my identity as I got older as well. It would mm-hmm. be how I defined myself by yeah. what sports did I play? What teams were I, was I in? Yeah. And, and that-
0: When you were young yeah. then, what was it that attracted you to sport and competition?
1: It is interesting because I do look back, and I've got my little sister starting to go into all the sport now. Mm-hmm. So I have been reflecting more of what it was for me. Um, I just, I just loved the competitiveness side of it. Mm-hmm. Like I, ha- I'm not a big fan of social sport. Like yeah. I think I loved playing competitively, and I think I love the sense of of achievement. You know, you train getting fitter, seeing yourself actually improve. And I think there are actually a lot of um, social lessons you can take out of playing sport. Mm-hmm. Um, my co-founder and I, because she was quite sporty as well, we often talk about how playing competitive sport prepared us a lot for like being in this world of...
0: Like being an entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So what sort of things do you...
1: At the levels both my co-founder and I did, you definitely have some strict coaching. And you're used to just being screamed at, to being told you're bad or that was terrible.
2: Yeah.
1: So you kind of get a bit more of a thick skin. So when that came to pitching and I was getting yeah. getting drilled into with questions and spin stars um, pitches, it didn't really phase me as I think it may have. Like, it may have. I hadn't had that experience growing up.
0: Right. You're kind of, well... That's what the coach says. Like, Better take it on board. Exactly. Yeah. It was,
1: I was just kind of used to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which I think is good because you need to be, because in this world, there are a lot of people that don't beat around the bush and are going to speak that way. Mm. And you've got to be prepared to have a thick skin and take in the lesson from it. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So your identity, uh, even as a teenager then, that was quite a big part, was the sports side of yes, things? Yes,
1: a big part of it. I always, but I loved I loved school as well. Mm. I loved learning, and I loved a wide range of subjects. Mm. I was never, I don't know, do you know how that people talk about you're either maths-minded or English-minded? Right. I loved a range of it, depending on what I was being taught in that particular lesson, mm-hmm. which I think was great but also made it really hard when it came to deciding what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. because there was no really clear track of Mm -hmm. where I should so yeah sport was a huge part of my school experience but I also did really enjoy the learning part of school
0: Mm -hmm. and did you have a sense then you know growing up through your teenage Mm -hmm. years were there any people that you were admiring or thinking maybe that's what I'll end up doing
1: definitely I think When I was younger, it was more in that sport world. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I got older, I remember conversations with my friends and when they would talk about their goals in the next few years. Mm -hmm. Mine always, I just had this image of my head of me being in that corporate world of me working in business. Mm -hmm. And I think because we did business classes at school and it always just made sense to me. Mm -hmm. I liked how the business world worked and I liked that there were so many opportunities in it. Mm-hmm. You know, even just in terms of jobs, but in the type of business you're working in. Like social enterprises were always of huge interest to me. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think I always did see myself in the corporate business world. Yeah. However, I I also had I've, I was really drawn to the way the mind worked. So that drew me to psychology and subjects mm-hmm. like that as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think I ended up studying at university. I did bachelor of business, and I minored in psychology. So I ended up, uh, yeah, I <laughs> kind of smushed the two together. Right,
0: combined them both. Yeah, huh? yeah. exactly. Yeah. And in high school, you mentioned like studying business and things. Yeah. Was that a particular course, or yeah. in what way were you doing it?
1: Yeah. So, and sen- when you're a senior in high school, you could pick some of your subjects, and my high school offered business as a subject. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because I've actually used some of the stuff I le- learned back in business in high school, yeah. now in my business.
0: Right. Which. So pretty yeah. good skills. Yeah, it was good skills. It was yeah. good skills. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And just before we leave the sports mm-hmm. side of things, yeah. did you have a particular sport that you liked more than others or played more than others? Yes, yeah,
1: so my two biggest sports were netball and touch rugby. <laughs> okay. And I loved, I probably loved touch rugby more because I played mixed so it was like a sport I got to play with both genders and it was just fun like it encompassed everything I enjoy in sports it was so competitive Yeah. and yeah I, I miss it a lot I ended up getting quite quite bad injured in my last year of high school so I had to say goodbye to that part of my life right so I miss it a lot
0: but yeah yeah, yeah. there's something as well we haven't talked about but just the camaraderie or the you know, the teamwork
1: oh, exactly. of that
0: type of yeah. a sport. Like you you need the person to be there to pass the ball to, right? Yeah. You know, you can't do it on your own. No, you definitely. Yeah.
1: And I think that's why I love sports so much too, because mm-hmm. I like being in a team. Mm-hmm. And I remember I'd try to do sports that require, like even just running in mm-hmm. a race, mm-hmm. I could never perform as good because it was just for myself, right. where like netball and touch, it was always like, Well, I can't screw up. I can't be tired or anything because I'm letting a whole team down. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really interesting part of the sports I played as well. Yeah, and I've seen it happen. Like that's a big part of my personality Mm -hmm. is that I am motivated more when I've got people around me. Mm -hmm. That yeah, my decisions and my work does affect as well.
0: Mm -hmm. It's a good thing to be aware of, though. You know that 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 team you know coming together to achieve the goal
1: oh definitely yeah and i think i can see it in the fact that you know millie and i co-founded new zealand and beyond mm-hmm. um where right, i look it wasn't back, a solo entrepreneur yeah, this is my thing exactly yeah. and i look back and wonder if i would have founded it myself mm-hmm. just because of my own personal motivations and yeah yeah, so it's, it's, it's funny when you start connecting the dots of different parts of your personality. Yeah.
0: Well, that's why I love the podcast, because I'm able to ask these questions rather than yeah. just starting the conversation <laughs> with, well, tell me about New Zealand and beyond. Yeah. You know, kind of going back and finding mm. a bit about sports and, mm-hmm. you know, what's brought you to today. Yeah. So you mentioned that you studied. Where did you go? Was it here at Canterbury? Or? Yeah. yeah,
1: so I got to the end of my last year in high school, mm-hmm. And I was prepared to go to Auckland University and study there. And the closer I got to making that decision, I just was like, I can't stay here. I loved Auckland and I had an amazing upbringing. But because Auckland's so big, you almost do end up forming these little bubbles. Mm -hmm. And like I was in the East Auckland bubble. And I looked at the years above me. And even though they're starting university, they were still in the exact same friend group. And I loved my friends, but I, was, I saw it as an opportunity for me to actually go out there and meet people that have been raised in different circumstances for me. Yeah. So I had been to the South Island once when I was really young to Queenstown. Mm-hmm. So never been to Christchurch or right. anything, but decided that's where I wanted to go to uni. Right. Yeah. Even
0: after earthquakes and all that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think because each university in New Zealand has a specific culture to it. Yeah. And I think the culture in University of Canterbury is because of those earthquakes, mm. but it's actually created such an awesome sense of community mm. within the university. Right. And I see it now compared to my friends back home who went to different universities. Mm-hmm. They're like, they say to me, you're so involved with everything on your campus mm. and all the clubs and, yeah, and all your... So that's probably why I chose chose it. And
0: so, how did you how did you know about that community before you came? Or or yeah, Yeah. had you heard from others or something? Yeah,
1: I had a few um, friends that were a bit older than me that went, and they really encouraged me to. Mm -hmm. And at the time, University of Canterbury were doing a scholarship for people from the North Island to come down, so that really helped me too. Yeah. Um. So I just thought, why not? Yeah, yeah. I looked at Dunedin, and I was like, I don't think I could handle their culture there. Yeah. Um, in Christchurch, it just kind of felt like the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's
0: cool. Well, I went to Canterbury as well. Oh, awesome. So I agree with you, <laughs> <laughs> and we're here in Christchurch recording this, so I endorse your views of the culture, and maybe that we can weave that in a bit later in terms of what it was like. Yeah. kind of going through university. but mm-hmm. um, So when you arrived here, mm-hmm. that first year you can kind of choose a few different subjects, I think. Um, did you know Ooh. business was where you wanted to hone in on? Or, mm. yeah, tell us about that.
1: Not at first, actually. Right. Like I mentioned, I loved business in high school. Mm-hmm. But I also loved psychology and learning about the way mm. my, um, mine works. And I was also very involved in a lot of people close to me suffering from mental health. So I'm very passionate about that as well. So when I moved to Christchurch, that's actually what I studied in my first year. Okay. So I did psychology and sociology for my first year, Mm. and I absolutely loved it, like learning What was it
0: that you loved about it?
1: I loved learning how our brain works in social situations. Mm -hmm. Like I found it so interesting going to a lecture and being able to sit there and going oh, yeah, th- that's why I do that. Right, I do that, um, yeah. Yeah, and just all the biases we have in our everyday life and mm. basically why we act the way we do. And I think I like under- understanding that because mm. if I can understand that, I can understand how to change that, Right, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So I've always found it fascinating. I don't know very much about it. Yeah. <laughs> but when I look at, like, those studies that have been done in Dunedin, mm-hmm. you know, the longitudinal studies ah, oh, yes. They the look Dunedin at the, study, yeah, the Dunedin study, the newborn baby, yeah. and then like okay, after a year, mm. after two years, and now it's like, is it in their forties? I yeah, think. Yeah, that's an incredible study. For, yeah, yeah, and just thinking about what leads people to become, yeah. which is in a way what this podcast is about, you know, yeah. asking these questions. So no,
1: definitely, yeah. and I find, and that's exactly what I'd find interesting. Mm. I remember one of my classes even centered around um, the criminal gene, right, and having that did that make you more likely less likely to commit a crime and mm. coupled with how you were raised and i just find that so interesting yeah yeah how people end up basically becoming who they are yeah and how much of it is our choice and our development slash how much is it just in our brain <laughs> yeah. the classic nature versus nature debate yeah so yeah i think that's why i found it really interesting yeah but I learned a lot that, yeah, because I loved the lectures and I loved what I was learning about. But I sat there and thought about what job would I have in this and what jobs could I go into that. And my friends around me were really passionate about going to to become a clinical psychologist Mm -hmm. and those roles. And when I thought about me doing that in practice, Mm -hmm. it didn't seem like something I was passionate about. Like I knew I found it interesting and I knew I wanted to help. But I also know my personality, and I tend to be a very empathetic person. Mm-hmm. And I think I would have struggled in a role mm-hmm. like that. Yeah.
0: I think, well, I completely understand yeah. <laughs> because I work as a lawyer, and sometimes you hear, you know, you have to sympathize, yeah. empathize with the client and things. And sometimes it's hard to forget or let go of the, yeah. of, the other people's problems oh
1: definitely and you
0: kind of absorb it and i've yeah. often thought you know a psychologist mm-hmm. or um, someone who works in really difficult situations yeah. like there, it's really hard yeah. to not take it on as your own oh, 100%. issues yeah
1: and i have so much respect for people that are able to do that mm. i think i just recognize that i'm not one of that them <laughs> <laughs> so i don't actually think i'd be good in those positions yeah so yeah that was really interesting because you know you hear often Oh, do what you're passionate about. But mm. what you're passionate about may not always be what you're passionate about in a job. Mm. And I found myself in that first year, my friends that were studying business constantly like looking at their assignments and finding it really interesting. Mm. So I think what I loved is when I moved to do business and psychology and I got to intertwine them all. Like right. I I remember in my marketing class we were looking at different tactics and I could entwine that with different social learning theories I'd learned in my psych class and, right. and how they work and how they're successful so yeah, yeah. oh
0: that's good and do you remember a, like a moment or a conversation with someone where you thought actually I'm gonna go away from the psychology as the only thing I'm doing and go for the business
1: yeah I think it had been at the back of my mind I right. think I'm that type of person I think I go chat to friends and family mm-hmm. when I actually probably already know that right. I need someone to pull that out of me if that makes yeah, sense.
0: Right. Interesting. Um so yeah. did that happen? Were there conversations yeah. where it helped you to express Exactly, it?
1: yeah. So I talked to my granddad a lot about it. Yeah. Actually. So I remember going for a walk with him mm. and um just talking about, yeah, I'm enjoying my lectures and everything. And I feel like it's pretty common for granddads to do too. So yeah, what would you be doing with it after uni? Right. And I think that's when I was kind of like, well, you know what? Like, not a job I'm that interested in. Uh-huh. And also my older sister, she's a neonatal nurse and has done placements in mental health um, facilities and stuff like that. And she said, look, Chelsea, if." have if that's what you want to do, you go for it. Yeah. But just be aware with our funding in this country too. I think what you want to do and why you're doing this, you might not be able to achieve in the jobs mm. you're looking for. Right. So, yeah, talk to my family a lot.
0: So you end up switching that <laughs> mm-hmm. focus. I did. Um, was it around that time that you got interested in entrepreneurship as well? Or talk us through how
1: Yes. That so there was a club on campus called Entree which I originally thought was a food club. (laughs) But it's not till one of my friends ended up getting on entree and encouraged me to apply for the executive. Mm -hmm. And I've got to admit that before entree, I was my own worst enemy when it came to self doubt. And I remember thinking, Oh, I wouldn't be good enough to be on that exec. Mm and the only reason I did it is I was like, oh, this will be good practice for interviews, for grad jobs when I need to go. Right. Like I did not think I would get on it at all. And I look back and kind of laugh now because my mum's always said I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to that. Mm. Um, so I went along, got on the executive, and just, do you know what Entree is? Yeah, if you want? I do, yeah. yeah. But why don't you explain yeah. it
0: <laughs> other people won't.
1: <laughs> um, Entree is a student-run Company, which helps students across Canterbury get into the entrepreneurship world. So I think the biggest thing they're known for is they run the 85K competition Mm -hmm. so students can enter an idea Mm -hmm. and if they win it, they can get their share of 85K to help make that idea a reality, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's all about just fostering um, entrepreneurship amongst students. Yeah. Yeah. And I think
0: there's like different it's not necessarily money is it it might be advice and mentorship and that type of thing
1: exactly or yeah yeah. and there's heaps of different um companies that come in and help do that so Yeah. yeah and I think being part of that I was seeing all these young people with these awesome ideas um I was seeing speakers come in and talk about their journey because owning a business I think for anyone that does business is always something like, yeah, that would be nice to do. Mm -hmm. But I always thought it would be when I was a lot older Mm -hmm. with a lot more experience. Mm -hmm. But I was seeing all these young people with these ideas that were awesome. And I realized in that moment, I was like, to do it, all you've got to do is just do it. (laughs) That makes sense. So,
0: age isn't a barrier.
1: No, no. I think obviously experience helps so much, Mm -hmm. but I think if you have an idea that's been validated, it's actually about just taking the leap and giving it a go to see if it could be something. And granted the programs at the university really (laughs) helped you do that. Mm. Like if I had just had an idea by myself and wasn't at university, New Zealand beyond wouldn't be where it is today. We're so fortunate that at the university, there are courses that help facilitate your ideas and mm-hmm. help you get there.
0: Oh good. Yeah. So what was your first idea or business <laughs> venture business you know, stepping out, trying oh. things?
1: So I would enter it was what I found fun were hackathons.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So they were never ideas that you actually do, but fun weekends where you get given a problem and you try to solve it with a business. Mm-hmm. So I remember my friends and I entered one the social enterprise hackathon mm-hmm. with a company called Limetown, which was a, basically an area of tiny houses, mm-hmm. and it was based off a retirement home business model to help students get into the housing market through a tiny house. Right. But it was an idea that was never going to happen, but I think just doing things like that, they just get you thinking. Right. And I entered another competition called the Lemonade Stand Challenge. Okay where we got given $10 in two weeks and had to try and increase that as much as possible. Hmm. So we created Wash wash and Work, where we came and washed lecturers' cars when they came into uni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I just did
0: a few little things. You're just trying all different scenarios <laughs> exactly. and give it a go. Exactly,
1: and, but yeah. there was no one idea that yeah. I was like, yes, this could be something. It was more... Me just having a little, a little bit of a fun and a hobby of mine to actually just create many things in the in yeah. these challenge style competitions. And just some practice, really. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Mm. So, talk us through. At what point did UCE come into the frame, and yeah. and then what you're doing today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you meet your mm. co-founder, for example?
1: So Entree works out of the UCE space. Mm-hmm. So. Entree worked quite closely with the staff so that's how I got to know the staff of the UCE. and then how everything came about was one day I was literally just reading an article about a girl who had moved from China to Australia and was earning $90,000 a year just from buying Australian products and sending them back to her friends and family Mm -hmm. at home Mm -hmm. and I was like wow, is there that much of a demand for products just being from Australia and New Zealand? Mm -hmm. And looked into it a bit further and saw that there was, and then that's all I knew. I'd never been to China before. Mm -hmm. I just read an article on that and thought, hey, this could be potential here for New Zealand companies to access that demand. And next thing, the UCE are offering for three students to attend Fudan University in Shanghai. Um, And the course was on e-commerce, consumer behavior, entrepreneurship, innovation. Hmm. And I saw that and I was like, well, here's my chance to figure out.
0: Right. I just read an article about that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And I think I'd always wanted to go overseas for an exchange, but Hmm. they were just too expensive. We're going for three weeks. (laughs) I could afford that. So I applied to do it and was lucky enough to get accepted. And another person accepted was Millie, who ended up being my co-founder. So that's actually how I met Millie. We find it funny that we were both at the University of Canterbury together, but met in China. Right. (laughs) So.
0: Was she doing business as well or?
1: So Millie actually does law. Okay. So, but she had been to China before and gone to Peking University. And Millie has what she likes to call it the China bug. So she just loves China, loves the people, the culture, how Mm. everything's done. So she was just looking for any excuse to get back there. Right, and go for a couple of weeks. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So So
0: do you remember, where did you meet? Like when you got there or how?
1: So so Millie and the other girl, Emma, on the program were already there and had traveled a week before Mm -hmm. where I was up seeing family. So I met them there. Mm -hmm. So the first time I actually met them over in China, was they came and met me at the airport because they were like, Chelsea's going to have no idea how to get to right. where we are. And I remember walking into that the Chinese airport and being like, wow, my mind is blown. Right? They were right. I had no idea where I was going. Yeah. Um, there were all these people with fake signs trying to get you into cars and you know, rip-off tourists. So it was really lucky that they were here to get me. Right. Um, so we got on a metro. So you see some friendly faces. Yeah. I remember <laughs> seeing my friends and I was like, yes. Um, and we got on the metro and arrived back to where we were staying. Uh-huh. And I loved where we were staying because it was in a classic apartment block where, where no other tourists were there. Mm. So it was really cool, like, living, like, how at, the people in the area actually were right and then our university was just down the road so Hmm. i arrived there and it's interesting because being from auckland and coming down here you always get referred to oh you're from the city like that so when but when i went to china i realized i have no idea what a city is (laughs) (laughs) how big everything was there was just crazy Yeah. yeah
0: Yeah, there's some small, tiny cities there yep. can be millions of people, right? It's oh,
1: like, 100%. Yeah. And people traffic mm. was a thing I wasn't used to, just walking in the footpath and yeah. having to wait. Yeah. Um, but it was awesome. And I think my experience with China was quite interesting since I experienced it through studying at a university. hmm So that meant that a lot of my perceptions of China were from a business perspective Mm. because I didn't get enough time to travel like what Millie had before. So, yeah, mine was more from a business perspective.
0: Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So bring us up to speed in terms of like you started talking together and then now we're talking today. Yeah. Um, How did you get (laughs) to where you're at?
1: So our lectures were on Mm e-commerce and Millie and I were sitting there And we were like, wow, there's a huge opportunity for New Zealand companies through Uh e-commerce. And we knew the demand was there. Uh We knew it could be done through e-commerce. So we were like, why are the small and medium New Zealand companies still underrepresented Uh here? Uh So that's what we left China with, that why. And we came back and the UCE offered a summer startup program. So, which basically involves if you get into it, they give you five grand and a whole summer with mentors, um, lessons, everything to have a go at starting your own business. So, Millie and I were like, "Okay, uh, let's uh, let's give this a go." We were planning to go for internships and everything, mm. but we're like, "Why not see if this could be something?"
0: Yeah. So, which summer was that? Was that 2018. Yeah. okay. Yeah.
1: So that was the summer of twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen. Yep. And we spent that summer talking to hundreds of New Zealand companies, Mm -hmm. asking them, you know, is China somewhere you want to go? Mm -hmm. And if so, why haven't you? And we were getting the same response from almost everybody Mm -hmm. that yes, we know there's a huge demand in China Mm -hmm. and we know our products would go amazingly there, Mm -hmm. but we can't because of basically three barriers. Mm -hmm. And one was obviously cost Mm -hmm. to register on, Alibaba as a foreign company is around 70000 New Zealand dollars, and that doesn't even account for marketing, exporting, all those Mm. additional costs. Um, Understanding China's market, Mm. not even the cultural differences and language differences, the platforms they use are completely different. Facebook and Instagram don't exist in the Chinese market. Mm. And last of all the time, because these New Zealand companies, the size they are, the founders of the companies are still basically doing everything in their business. So they don't really have the time to go, okay, let's really think about China and do a China strategy. Mm -hmm. So they were the three barriers we found. So we created New Zealand and Beyond to basically solve those three barriers. Mm -hmm. Um, So what New Zealand and Beyond do is we provide a storefront. So we'll be launching a New Zealand and Beyond storefront on WeChat followed by Timor Global next year. And what that means is the New Zealand companies sell on our platform and just pay us a subscription fee Mm -hmm. instead of having to cover those expenses of doing it themselves. We do the marketing for them. So we've partnered with a trade partner in China, Mm -hmm. which we do all our marketing campaigns through. And then we do the exporting for them. Mm. So. so you're basically
0: <laughs> providing a solution for the people who know there's a market but don't know how to access it. Exactly,
1: exactly. So, and a big part of our solution is forming that coalition of New Zealand companies too. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like coalitions, a lot of people can be concerned about, well, isn't that just putting them against their competition. Mm. But in China, there are so many people and in and this model. I strongly believe it's power in numbers. Right. And the idea of you know, a group of New Zealand companies coming together in one spot. It, if one company's got such a good audience, that audience gets brought for the others. It, mm. it works out better. I see. I'd say. So
0: you might look at a shelf and think those three products are competing, yeah. but actually they're all from New Zealand. Yeah. They're complementary and they enhance each other. That exactly. Type
1: of yeah. exactly yeah so yeah that get gets us to the end of 2019 yeah. Uh, ended Yeah, start of 2019 sorry the end of summer where we've created this business model we know that there's demand from both ends but Millie and I are like okay <laughs> what do we do with it now right we had a great yeah. summer <laughs> yeah. we've done our pitch Exactly. <laughs> we were both full-time students yeah. with other jobs no money. <laughs> what do we do? Mm-hmm. And then in becomes Dream, Believe, Succeed, oh. which is a an award started by Steve Brooks for Christchurch Entrepreneurs. And Millie and I were not expecting to win that. We literally went along to the awards night thinking, oh, this is just a nice event where we don't have to pitch. Right. <laughs> and when our names got called as the winners, we were just in absolute shock. Huh. And winning that gave us a twenty thousand dollar cash prize mm-hmm. as well as legal marketing fees so basically all the, the seed key money, things yeah, that you need yeah. you need so from that we could set up our supply and service contracts mm. we could actually st- build our own website we could do all those things so mm. but most important thing is it meant we had other people invested in what we were doing right we just suddenly couldn't turn around and go oh no we've decided not to we had we had a group of people invested so yeah
0: it's interesting because yeah. there's a parallel to the earlier entree exec You know, joining the exec, you went to the interview thinking it was just sort of practice. You wouldn't get it, Mm -hmm. you know, in a way it's similar to what you're describing there, which I guess shows the value of putting your hat in the ring Uh, and trying out for things because you just never know.
1: A hundred percent it does. And I think in saying that, Mm. Millie and I victim to imposter syndrome a lot Mm -hmm. so (laughs) i think that also speaks for that attitude quite a bit but you're right just never to let things like that stop you because you never know what happens when you put your hat in
0: yeah 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 that's cool so what are the next steps and and what are you looking at for the future
1: yes so dream believe to succeed really um kick-started us and we get to the end of 2019 we've got our trade partner signed all our customers ready to go and we're preparing to launch in china in february mm-hmm. and then COVID hit
0: yeah did something happen <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah
1: so we almost felt like we were hit twice because it hit china mm-hmm. and we were like oh no this isn't this good is big market yeah, yeah our communications with our trade partner we completely lost them because right. they all went into lockdown so that was a worry but we were communicating with our partners there and things were starting to improve and there was plans in place.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But then New Zealand went into lockdown. Right. And Millie and I knew we were about to enter a capital raise at this point where the future is so unknown mm. and no one's going to be wanting to invest in a focusing startup. People aren't on that, No, yeah. no. So Millie and I actually had one of those serious talks at the start of lockdown saying this could be it. But the thing was, everything was so uncertain that you couldn't even make a decision either way. Mm-hmm. So we're like, look, let's just wait out this lockdown mm-hmm. so we have a bit more information and then we can decide. Through lockdown, we had all our clients come to us like so supportive. Mm-hmm. We had even more New Zealand companies message us because I think it made a lot of New Zealand companies look to diversify their markets. Mm-hmm. Um. Because New Zealand fought COVID quite well, it benefited our image in China. Mm. So a lot of our product sales were increasing. Right. Yeah. So Millie and I said to each other, Looks like we're not done. Mm. <laughs> um, so that's fast forward to now. Mm. We depends how you define launch. Um, we're technically launching at the end of this month our two month long marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. So that launches end of July and then our first storefront opens in September. Okay. And we're currently right in the middle of our first capital race too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So
0: lots of things going on. Yes, (laughs) it is. It is. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm. So if people want to find out more, have you got a website or where's the best place to connect with you?
1: Yes. We have a website, which is Mm NewZealandandBeyond.co, not .com.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And then LinkedIn is always really good. I always respond on LinkedIn or anyone's welcome to email me at yeah, at Chelsea at New Zealand and v- NZ and Beyond Co. Yeah. So yeah. yeah
0: but and and mm-hmm. just thinking about the products, is there a, a certain focus that you've got, mm-hmm. like health related or yes, uh, yeah.
1: So our first product category is New Zealand skincare. Okay. And that's because we saw the most potential in that in the Chinese market,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but we're already looking to expand our verticals into baby care and supplements, health in the future. Mm-hmm our ultimate goal is to be known as the trusted place by New Zealand products. Mm-hmm. So we're completely ready to expand into heaps of other verticals, but just focusing on skincare for our initial
0: launch. Yeah. Well yeah. oh, it makes sense. I think New Zealand does have a good reputation mm-hmm. around the world. You know, even people who've never don't know much about it, they will immediately think of kind mm-hmm. of, and whether this is true or not, I don't <laughs> know, but you know, clean rivers and, you know, beautiful mountains mm-hmm. and, you know, it's it's kinda of got a nice unique no, position. In the world.
1: But I also think we've been really careful to make sure the products we bring on board are products that are true to those ethics as well. Otherwise yeah. we're just greenwashing. Yeah. So and also the perception that New Zealand has that also does us a lot of favours is actually being safe. So that's why mum and baby are such a big category in China for of New Zealand products is because our products are believed to be extra safe and how we've done with COVID compared to the rest of the world has actually benefited that image. Mm. So it's going to be really interesting these next few months to
0: Mm.
1: yeah, see how that's affected. Yeah.
0: And you mentioned a term before, which was social enterprise and the idea that business exists for more than just profits. Has that sort of thinking filtered into what you're doing and in in what ways?
1: Oh, definitely. But I'm also not gonna sit because New Zealand and beyond do aim to make a profit mm-hmm. so we're not as av- great as other social enterprises out there but I think for me it's I generally I genuinely believe that we have such talented New Zealand businesses here that really deserve a space on the world stage mm-hmm. and that's kind of my ethos with it mm-hmm. and I just think just because we're small doesn't mean that we can't be out there absolutely dominating some markets mm-hmm. it just might mean we need a step in the middle
0: yeah. Yeah. So it's about amplifying the messages and the the brand of, exactly. of these other people as exactly. well. Exactly.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well,
0: that's good. And just maybe just thinking about your entrepreneurial journey, is yeah. there anything looking back five years,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what would you tell yourself? You know, that time travel question. Is there anything you've learned that you wish that you'd known?
1: A hundred percent. It would One would be to trust your gut. Mm-hmm. I've been in so many situations where I've been advised to do this or advised to do that, and if I'd just listened to my gut, it would have been the right decision. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everybody's advice carries the same weight. I think we are so fortunate to the mentors we have had on our journey. If it wasn't for the people willing to give their time and expertise, we would definitely not be where we are today. And now we're so lucky to have such a good group around us but I think back at the start of our journey, realizing that a lot of people love to give you their opinions and advice and not to listen to every single person, because mm. one, it can be overwhelming, but yeah, they just don't always have the same way. So that's something I'd tell myself.
0: So, mm. yeah. Which I guess fits <laughs> with the first piece, which is trust, trust your, your gut, gut right? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you do know at the bottom of your, yeah. you know, you're being the This probably isn't the right thing to do, even though this person said I should. Mm
1: -hmm. Definitely. And I think Millie and I recently have not reflected a lot on imposter syndrome and how that's really affected us throughout Mm -hmm. our journey and stopped us from trusting things like our gut. Because I think being a young entrepreneur in the first place, you kind of don't feel like you should be there. Just, Just when you asked me, well, when I came on the podcast, yeah. I was stressing before thinking I'm not I'm not good enough to be on this Mm. um and I think that's just a normal mindset that a lot of young people or even just a lot of people that are in careers doing things Mm. that they don't feel like yeah that they deserve to be there basically Mm. so I think Especially being young people in this space, and then in the exporting space too, mm-hmm. it took Millie and I a lot of time to actually be like, you know what? We've studied this market through and through. We know it. Mm-hmm. Our opinion is valid, mm-hmm. even though we're younger and not of experience. We do we do know our stuff. So mm-hmm. just just remind ourselves to trust our gut when we feel like we need to. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I like that, and it comes back to self belief, doesn't it? Does, it does. And yeah. you're right. It's like a big circle of if you don't believe in what yeah. it then it's really hard to believe in it <laughs> no, <laughs> so it's definitely. like a, it's a circle that you have to go in positively mm-hmm. and and have the self belief because it will lead to other things exactly yeah
1: exactly and i feel like it's a it's about surrounding yourself with people that complement your character mm-hmm. like you always hear surround yourself with people that challenge you mm-hmm. and i 100% believe that's important mm-hmm. But Millie and I in the workspace, we're constantly challenging the decisions we make. Mm. We're constantly double thinking, doubting some of the decisions. So a lot of the time for us, the good mentors to have around are mentors to just be like, you've got this. Mm. So I think that's important too, recognizing what your character's like and what do you need in a mentor. Mm.
0: And I think the thing for the listeners is who are the people in their lives that they could be that voice for, and for you even – who's coming up as the next generation that that you can, that you can speak positive encouragement to um, realistically, of course, (laughs) not just pie in the sky stuff, but just like, you know, actually those affirming voices is really Mm. important.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's really good. Well, what we'll do is in the show notes, we'll put links to your website oh, awesome. and any links that you want, really. Mm-hmm. Just send them over oh, thank and we'll you. put that. But I just want to say thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really mm-hmm. appreciate your time. It's good to hear your journey.
1: <laughs> no, thanks. It's been an honor.
0: <laughs> Great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do hope you enjoyed that interview with Chelsea. I know for me, there were several things that stood out and I'd love to hear her reflections on some of the key things that she's learned about being an entrepreneur. If you enjoyed this, then check out some of the other episodes in the Bat Catalog. Until next time!